overflow, a lifestyle of overflow. And I want to start by reading scripture. Um, as I was growing up, I, I was told that uh, if you just get the Bible out, if you just read a few words of the Bible, then you've already accomplished something. The rest of it tanks. If you do terrible, if your jokes fall flat, whatever it is, it's all okay because you read the Bible. So I want to read first Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, verses 8 through 10. And, and I believe that uh, the Bible is alive. Do you believe it's alive this morning? Do you believe it's for you this morning? Well, that's good because it's, it's got something for us right here in 2 Corinthians. It says, And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Can we pray together this morning? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your presence with your people this morning. God, we thank you for uh, this weekend where we get to celebrate the freedoms of this country and, and celebrate the sacrifice that was given, God. But, but above all else, God, we celebrate your sacrifice. We celebrate your word, God. And I pray that you would bless it and bless your people this morning. It's in your, your powerful, mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, Christians, we're crazy. We, we are just crazy people. We, we believe some crazy things. And it's one of the hard things about being a Christian is trying to get other people to understand why we believe such preposterous ideas. And to us, living in it and being in it and coming to church, even on a holiday weekend, uh, you know that y'all really love the Lord. You showed up on Memorial Day weekend. But it's, it's like this, this weird thing that only we can understand. You know, we, we have these sayings and these things like, uh, you know, we understand God spoke the universe into existence. That's a crazy belief, right? That, that's something that, that most folks would have a hard time wrapping their mind around if they hadn't come into a, a relationship with Jesus. We, we believe that uh, the same God split the oceans in half and allowed people to walk through on dry land. That's a crazy idea. That's an insane story and a historical event that most people won't recognize in the textbook that your children are learning from, right? Or, or uh, that he rained fire from the sky on several occasions. That's a crazy thing to think about. Or uh, uh, this is a good one. Um, uh, drink his blood and partake of his flesh. That, that's another one that just might get a few heads turned a little awkwardly. You might have uh, some trouble explaining what Jesus was really talking about there. It's something that, that is just crazy for us to, to think about or that we've been reborn. Or, or we asked somebody, have you been saved yet? I, I was uh, recently downtown, and there were some, uh, some young students, probably, you know, 19 or 20 years old, and, and uh, they were evangelizing the area. And, uh, and as I was walking into the restaurant that I was going to, I, I saw that there was a homeless man there. And then on the way out, I saw that these young men were trying to minister to this man. And they were trying to explain just fundamental things. I could overhear just briefly what they were talking about. And, and I could see his wheels trying to turn fast enough to keep up with what they were saying. Some of the things that we believe are, are just crazy. 
And uh, especially in student ministry, we do our best here at Cornerstone to try to steer into those things, to try to explain them. Because sometimes we can just take them for face value because we've been in the Word, we've been in church, we've been around a time or two, we, we've heard message after message. And, and so we, we try to focus on those things and really explain and make sure that our students understand some of these things that we just take for granted. And one of these topics that I feel like is very uh, kind of glanced over or something that's kind of thrown around in Christian terminology. And, you know, we, I feel like we have our own language, some Christianese, like, you know, words that we just throw out there every once in a while. And, and one of those things is, is overflow. Overflow. It, it's something that typically I feel like in most context has a negative connotation to it you know when the toilet overflows that's not a good thing right when, when the when the sink is backed up that's not good the septic tank is back the, the overflow typically is not a good thing we get too much rain the the river is overflowing the lake is overflowing we we start having floods that, the overflow in most contexts is not a good thing but christians we love the word I love the overflow. Uh, I'm the head and not the tail, Jesus. You know, and we start getting all crazy with, with the overflow idea. And, and we, just, we just take it because it's, it's common verbiage that we like to use. It's something that, that we, we love to just preach on and talk about and, and feel like, you know, God, fill me up. There's, there's this song that, that, uh, that is probably come out the last couple of years, and that's like the whole Every lyric is just, fill me up, God, fill me up, God, fill me up. And, and so we, we, as Christians, we love that idea of overflow. I really want to, to be filled up by God. It, it, it's something that, that we, we come to understand in, in a few different areas of our life that we want overflow in. You know, it could be physically, you know, maybe uh, uh, I, I want to be uh, strong and fit. And, and it goes just from being a, a statement or a, a status in our life to even beginning to look at other people and their overflow, their blessing, their abundance, and we start to desire that for ourselves, right? So I, I want to not just be fit and healthy, but I want to look like them, you know? Or uh, I, I want to dress like them, or I want to sound like them, or I want to have a, a house like them, or a car like that. I, I want to look a certain way. I want to talk a certain way. I want to act a certain way. And so we start looking for the overflow from other people in our physical life. Or maybe it's an emotional level. We start looking at other people's overflow, and we start saying, man, I, I wish that my marriage was like that. I, I wish that I was happy like them. I, I wish that my friendships, I wish I had somebody in my life like they have. I, I wish that, that I could just trust somebody like they trust somebody. I wish that I just had all of those. I wish my kids acted like their kids. You know, a lot of times church people can look at other kids and we can judge. And then other times we look at our kids and then we judge them. We're like, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. And, and we just start saying, I, I wish that it was like that. You know, we can from a physical level to an emotional level, even to a spiritual level. We can begin to, to wish that we had an overflow like somebody else's spiritual life. That, man, they, they just, they pray so powerfully. And, you know, and you come up maybe on a Sunday morning and, and you have one of the prayer team members pray for you. And it's like everything that they prayed for you was exactly the need that you had in your heart. And it was like, man, I could never do that. Or, or maybe you've been around when someone was praying for somebody sick and there was just so much faith in their words, there was so much power in what they were saying. You're like, I could, I could never, ever do that. And then, like, we all get into that awkward situation where we're at a, a Bible study or a prayer meeting or a small group, and the leader asks you to pray. And you're like, okay, 
yeah, uh, and you just struggle to get the words out, you know, and, and, and we start looking at all these people, that, man, their understanding of the word is just so good. I wish that I could understand and memorize scripture like that. I, I wish that, that I could just worship freely like that. I wish I could raise my hands and jump around. I wish I could be silly and, and not care what people thought about me. And, and we can get to all of these places where we're looking and looking and looking for the overflow and wondering why it's not for us like it is for them in questioning, God, where is that abundance? God, where is that outpouring? Where is the flooding and the running over of my cup like your word talks about? And we get so focused on the overflow in other people's life is that we don't realize that their overflow was a result of a decision. Their overflow is a direct result of a, of a, a decision. And these are all good things. It's not bad for you to desire overflow in your physical body. It's not a bad thing for you to look at a home and want that for your family. It's not a bad thing to want overflow in your marriage and relationships with your children and with your friends and with your, your, your peers at work or in school or wherever it is that, that you are living. It's not a bad thing for you to want emotional overflow. It's not a bad thing for you to want spiritual overflow. It would be, it would be uh, you know, short filling on my part to come to you this morning and say, don't seek overflow spiritually. Of course, that, that's what my entire job title is focused around, showing students that there's overflow available for their lives spiritually, right? And that's what we're here as, as a church community for, is to take overflow from this house into our city, Right? Overflow and the desire of overflow is not a bad thing. But we have to understand that first there's a decision made in order to get to the place of overflow. See, overflow is a byproduct of obedience. Overflow is a byproduct of obedience. See, ultimately, overflow is only received Due to our obedience. Now, you and I, we can find these places of obedience to be hard. And, and when we're in these, these moments of deciding whether we're going to walk in obedience with the Lord or not, we can lose sight of what the outcome may be. Because the decision to do what is being required of us or asked of us is so difficult, it's so full of pressure, and it's so outside of our comfort zone that we lose sight of the potential for overflow. See, when you look at the physical overflow in some people, yet they're saying that's hours and hours in the gym. That's hours and hours of meal preparation. That's, that's choice after choice of not eating the Snickers bar. When Pastor Joe came on staff here, him and I both immediately started gaining weight because we both love to eat and we just kept stirring up each other's that gifting that we have to eat. And, uh, and so he'd be like, what do you got for lunch? I'd be like, nothing, let's go. And so we would go out to eat and then we would be like, Look at all this candy. You got candy for youth. I got candy for kids. We got candy everywhere. And so the, the decision to stop the overflow of weight was to stop eating the candy, stop going out so much, right? We have to understand that, that the overflow in finances or maybe even the overflow in a home 
results down to the physical or the financial discipline in order to not spend. You know, with a big home comes a big mortgage, right? And so there's a payment that comes with that. There, there, there's decisions that result in the overflow in our lives. You, you look at somebody and they can just pray and 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 pray. You know how they're able to pray so long and they're able to pray without repeating themselves and they're able to pray like they just wrote a poem, like they're reading something scripted, like there's some Shakespeare on the back wall that they've been reading off for the last hour and a half. They're able to do that because they spent hours with the Lord. They're able to develop that comfort. You know when you just hang out with a good friend? For some of you ladies, I remember my mom, she, she'd call uh, her best friend Rhonda on the phone. And I knew when Rhonda called or my mom called Rhonda, it was over. It was just time to go to a different room, to go downstairs, to turn on the PlayStation. Because they were going to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And you know how you're able to talk to somebody like that? It's through spending time with them. See, the overflow that we experience in our relationship with the Lord, it comes from that time. And so we look at that overflow in other people's lives, and it's not a bad thing to desire that overflow for yourself. But you cannot become jealous, and you cannot covet after these things without first understanding there's a decision of obedience. There's a decision that the Lord is putting in front of you, and he's saying, Will you choose what I have for you that ultimately results in the overflow? Or will you choose what's comfortable? Will you choose what fits inside of your plan and your method and your model and and all of the? Man, I can't tell you how many times God has come and jacked up my plans. It's like a daily thing for him. I, I wake up in the morning and I'm ready to do this and this and this and this and this. And I get a phone call. And I'm ready to do this and this and this when I get to the church and, and I get a text. Or I've got a, this great, you know, vision-inspired meeting for our student leaders and I'm ready to pump them up and get them ready to go save the whole city. And then all of a sudden I get a text, I can't make it tonight. I can't do this tonight. I can't do that. And I was like, man, what am I going to do? And you get so frustrated. And in, that, in those moments we have the choice. keep operating inside this box and keep coveting what others have or am I going to begin to step into the overflow through obedience? Overflow is a byproduct of obedience. See, we have example after example of this in the Bible. We have Abraham who lays Isaac down on the altar as a sacrifice. Can't imagine a harder decision of obedience. We have uh, Moses who is told to stand before the most powerful man on the planet in that time and ask him to release millions of slaves. In our country, we fought against each other just over the topic. Moses has to stand before the man that could kill him like that. We have So many people who have the decision time and time again in Scripture. Hosea, he he has to be obedient and take back his wife after she's cheated on him, left him and his children. We have the disciples who are asked to leave everything behind. Every possession, every relationship, their home, their jobs, 
all of their security just to follow Jesus. Time and time again, Scripture brings this process of the choice of obedience before us. You know, I was just talking with somebody the last couple weeks, and it's crazy to see, especially in the Old Testament, as Israel comes to these points, these, these, these deciding places of are we going to continue in the way that our hearts would drive us and what our emotions would say and what the circumstance would dictate of us, or are we going to continue to look towards God, the one who's been faithful to us? And we see time and time again, it's almost humorous to watch the Israelites in the Old Testament run around in circles of disobedience. And we think, what a bunch of idiots. How, how could they possibly? I mean, we just talked about it. He split the ocean in half. He rained fire down. There was food dropping on the ground. And like there was, they were losing armies after army. They were just, just God was confusing them and mixing them up and, and causing the Israelites to be victorious over them. And yet they still were running around chasing their tails in disobedience. It's like, how is that possible? How are they doing the same thing over and over again? But yet in our lives, we look in all these different areas and we see that overflow is missing. God, why, why can't this relationship just be minted? God, why can't, why can't I just see this, this thing beaten? God, why can't I just uh, feel different about this situation? Why can't we see this happen in our lives? And I'm not saying every time, but in some times we are too afraid to step out and truly do what God has called us to do. God is waiting to release the overflow into our life, but he's also waiting for us to walk in obedience. It's easy when we start talking about obedience to, to start talking about works, right? And this is a works thing, and you got to do, and you got to be, and you got to say, and you got to act, and you got you to stop sinning, you got to do all these different things. But that's not what obedience and overflow is about. It's really not about works. It's not a, a works issue. Because obedience is not what causes the overflow. Obedience or overflow is proportional to our obedience. Overflow is proportional to our obedience. It's, it's not about how good you are, and it's not about how many great things you've done, how many battles you've won, or how long your prayer can be, or how big your house can get, or how much money you can make, or, or how many years you've even been married. It's about coming to this place with the Lord, saying, okay, you said that, I'm going to do it. And every time we open our hearts up wider to allow the Lord to speak bigger things into our life, the proportion of overflow gets larger. He he wants to, to give you roots that go down deep. He wants to give you a life that is full of, of depth. And stability, he wants your relationship with him to be so strong that no matter how strong that wind blows, no matter how hard it starts raining, no matter how big the clouds and the storm gets around you, that there is no doubt in your mind. There is no disbelief running through your thoughts. You understand that God has been faithful and he'll continue to be faithful today, tomorrow, and the next and forevermore. It's because God's faithfulness that we're able to step out in obedience. And when we step out in that obedience, it's proportionally given the overflow. It opens up for us. We can, 
We can get all kinds of stuck. Oh, God, you, I haven't heard your voice. I, I've been waiting. You know, and I think we've all as Christians been in those places where it felt dry. It, it felt like the voice of the Lord was quiet. It, it felt like, man, God, what, what is it that I'm going to do in this situation? God, I, I've been asking for you to speak, and I just haven't heard you yet. God, I'm waiting. I'm, and we feel like the, these dry places can almost begin to, to erode at our faith. Where we feel like I'm so lost with, and I'm so turned around and I'm so twisted up and I'm so stuck in my life. And I'm speaking from personal experience here. Maybe you can relate. Often in those moments where I've found that I've been in a dry place with the Lord or I feel like I've been stuck and I, everything I do is like banging my head against the wall. If I just turn around and look back at the last thing the Lord told me to do. Often it's unfinished. And when I turn back and I face that thing and I say, okay, God, I'm serious this time. It's like all of a sudden this refreshing wave comes in. And God was just waiting for that that step of obedience. Obedience is, is not us pulling God down from heaven to act on our behalf. Obedience is not us pleading with God until he finally does what we've been praying for. Obedience is us stepping closer to him. And when we get closer to him, our territory enlarges. When he can trust us, he says, here's some more. When he sees what we've done with what he's given us, he says, what will he do with this? Man, God, it. Is so pleased with you. He is so, so happy and so in love with you and so proud of you that he wants to give you more. God is not a God of lack. He is not uh, limited on his resources. He's not limited on his finances. He's not limited on his strength or his ability or his creativity to get you out of the circumstance that you're in or to mend the relationship that is broken or to fix anything that you are going through. He's He's not too distant to touch your heart and to heal you. But all he is waiting for you to do is to see what you'll do with what's been given to you. What will I do? What will I do with, with what he said? What will I do with this freedom that he's given me? Man, it, it's one of those times where, where, you know, when I look back at that situation, I see that something was left undone. It's like, man. And we begin to question ourselves, where would I be if I would have done that then? I'll tell you this. God doesn't set up. Obedience as a trap for you. He's not trying to trick you into failing. He's not trying to, 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 to test you by, by how strong you can be and, and how, how brave you can be. God is just simply saying, draw closer to me. That's all obedience is, is just draw closer to me. Come closer, come in so you can hear my whisper. You know, there's a, a story of the prophet in the Old Testament, and, and he was running for his life. He was afraid, and he was hiding, and, and, uh, and the Lord led him to a cave, and, and he's in this cave, and, 
And all of a sudden there's, you know, this earthquake. And the, the rocks begin to fall and the earth begins to split. And, and yet the prophet didn't hear from the Lord. You know, and there's, there's fire and there's wind and there's all these crazy things that are happening and all these different things that, that are going. And after all that was over, after all was said and done, after all this shaking had taken place, there was a whisper. It's about coming in close. It's about coming in to be able to hear the heartbeat of our God, of our Father. I love this quote by Bill Johnson. It says, abundance is only linked to the lordship of Jesus in our lives. Abundance is only linked to the lordship of Jesus in our lives. See, we receive overflow as a byproduct of obedience, but we only find the willingness to obey when Jesus sits on the throne of our lives. Without Jesus, this whole thing crumbles. See, we often as Christians and as just practical people, human beings, we are looking for a formula to get us from point A to point B. How do I get from lack to overflow? How do I get from dryness to overflow? How do I get from here to prosperity, to blessing, to, to destiny, to calling, to purpose? How do I make it? What are, give me the steps, you know? And what are the, the supplements I need? What are the, the, the you know, the, the positions and relationships I need to build? What's the, the methodology behind all of this? And, and we even try to, to preach our own formulas to ourselves. In the past... A, B, and C work, so I'm going to try to repeat that again and again and again and again and again. We look so desperately for the formula. And even in, in our conversation today, you could say, okay, obedience is the formula for overflow. I, I just need to be obedient and there's overflow. I need to be obedient and there's overflow. But the problem with that, again, is, is that if we just get stuck on the formula, then it's all about what we can do and not about what he can do. It's not about a formula. It's his lordship in our lives that brings in overflow. You and I will never be truly obedient without Jesus taking center stage in our lives. Without Jesus stepping in and becoming the focal point of everything that we have, everything that we do, every relationship that we develop, without him being the center of it all, we will never be obedient. Because our flesh, it's fickle. It's strong. The urges are great. The, the, the desires are large. And, and our emotions, they weigh on us and they, they push us and they pressure us. And on top of all of the things that are going on inside of our own heart and head, we have an enemy who is out to still kill and destroy everything that you have. And so on our own, obedience is not possible. But it's through that intimacy with Jesus that all of a sudden the desire for obedience comes. That things in my old life, the desires that I had once had and, and the things that even 
brought pleasure into my life and, and the relationships that I held so highly and, and the standards that I had for myself and my family, all of a sudden these things are changing and moving. And, and all of a sudden things that I once felt bonded by and, and held down by, all of a sudden they're broken and they're loosed. And, and now all of a sudden I'm beginning to walk in this freedom. I'm beginning to experience this newness in this life and this wave of, of grace that comes on me. And in that grace, we are able to strive towards the goal that has been set before us. He's the one who's put the goal out ahead of you. He's the one that gave you the second path to choose from. But he's also the one that puts the desire for us to follow that path. And as much as we can try in our own might and our own strength, as much as we can, we can try to, to accomplish and do and to, to be good sons and daughters of him, we fail. See, I said earlier that God is so proud of you and that he loves you so deeply and dearly. And the reason why I'm able to say that with confidence it's because who else would provide the solution? Who else would provide the desire? Who else would provide the strength? Who else would provide the mercy? Who else would provide all of the, the financial and the physical provision that we would ever need in order to be obedient in the first place? Who would, who would provide everything we need to step into abundance and overflow in our lives? Only someone who is a good father. Today, I don't know where your heart is. I don't know where your walk with Jesus is. I don't know your relationship with him. But I can tell you our lives will be wasted. Our time on this earth will be spent for nothing. If we don't hear one thing said, well done. Well done, my son. Well done, my daughter. I'm pleased in you because you knew my heart, because you heard my voice, because you followed my lead, because you allowed me to work in your life. You allowed me to, to clear the path for you. You allowed me to set it before you. You allowed me to accomplish some great things in you and through you. Well done. Maybe this morning you, you have had no idea that this was even available for you. That a life of overflow was accessible. A life of more than enough, a life of abundance was there for you. Today with, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you want to, for the first time maybe, Step into that relationship, that intimacy, that that one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. So I just simply want you just to raise your hand. Nobody's looking, nobody's judging you. This morning, all you have to do is you just got to say, that's me. I, I want to start on that path. Maybe for the rest of us, there's been some things where we've been 
through our time together, able to look back and say, man, I've got some things undone. There's been some decisions that I need to make. There's some things I need to do. There's some things that need to be said. There's some choices that I have to make. And I know that, God, you put them before me. And, and I'm tired of living out of my own struggle, living out of my own ability, living out of my own efforts. I'm ready to step into the overflow. I'm ready to put you back on your throne in my life. I'm ready to, to follow your every word. I'm ready to follow your lead just like the disciples did. I'm ready to experience the overflow in my life. If that's you, then all you have to simply do Say, Jesus, take the lead. Jesus, take your throne. I give my life over to you. Maybe it's again. I'll give it again. And I receive all that you have for me this morning. I receive all of the overflow that you have for my life. God, and I receive the heart of obedience that you want to give. And I'll leave this place today knowing that I will hear the words, well done. I thank you for your grace that is more than enough. I thank you for your grace that covers a multitude of sin. And I thank you for your grace that brings us into the overflow. We love you this morning, Jesus. We thank you for what you've done in our hearts, what you've done amongst your people and in your church, God. We thank you that you will continue to use this house to build your kingdom in Blue Springs, Kansas City, our state, this nation, and the world. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name. We all said amen. 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 Praise God. Yeah, let's, let's give the Lord a hand.